Thank you, Sarah. I like those words. He sang it so fantastic. Wonderful, wonderful. Let's have a word of prayer as we get into our message today. Father in heaven, thank you for being such a giver of good gifts. Wonderful little girls like Sarah singing and, and uh, Aiden singing and different people doing different things. We just thank you for giving us so many gifts and life is one of them. We pray that you'd continue to give us gifts right now to hear you. <clears throat> Even though you're way up in heaven and we're way down here and we have so many distractions, make it possible for us to hear you at this time and respond appropriately. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'll turn with me in your Bible as we continue our series through the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. <clears throat> Ephesians 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you'll be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand firm. Stand firm, therefore. I'm sure you've seen <coughs> many of the commercials as I have on television encouraging people to join the military. We tend to see them uh, advertised even more around graduation time. The emotions, the images, the music, the patriotism, encouraging people to join the military, trying to, how does the commercials put it, help us to be all that we can be and help us to find our future. Those are literal uh, words that they sing and things that they say in the, in the military commercials. Um, a lot of people believe it. I know my father joined the military pretty much everywhere I've lived. I've always had neighbors that were in the military. Uh, people I went to school with and graduated with went to the military. Uh, I know many ministers who quit and join the military and become chaplains in the military. Just recently I heard of another pastor in this conference that he quit and became a pastor in the American military to be a chaplain. And they're good at motivating people. Uh, they're good at encouraging and, and, and getting people to well, as our slogan says, be all you can be. Uh, and obviously, it works. We have over t a, a, a little over 2 million people in the military in the United States. And every year, I believe, uh, our tax dollars go to about 600 to $900 billion to the military every year. The military helps American citizens, helps people in other countries. The military has also helped... Uh, the people who join themselves. They get a paycheck, they get retirement, they get lifetime friends, they get structure, and uh, many, many other benefits. But even though America has probably the, the, not quite the largest, but it's almost the largest, the most trained, it's, it, I mean, it's, we have the best weapons, all of the technology, that United States of America, and you could pick any other country if you wanted, you could even put all the countries together, 
instead of picking on another country, if we all united every country in the world and put all of our military together, we still, we still would be embarrassingly incapable of defeating Satan. We still couldn't defeat Satan. Some of those show you, you go into Walmart or Target or certain stores and <laughs> they're trying to sell televisions and sometimes they show little clips of movies or Best Buy <clears throat> and sometimes you see all those end of the world uh, movies, you know, or I, I can't think of any of the titles, but you know, they have those kind of shows where all the, the aircraft carriers and the, the nuclear missiles and airplanes and everybody's trying to fight against some, you know, alien or zombie or something and it's just embarrassing. Because, I mean, it's just like, you know, what are you doing? It just doesn't work. That's what it would be like for any country, including ours, to try and fight against the devil with our military. Paul puts it this way in verse 11 and 12. Put on the armor of God, the whole armor of God. Then you'll be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we, speaking to believers, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers, against this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. <clears throat> what he's meaning is the fallen angels is what he's referring to here. The Apostle Paul, um, he was obviously not alive in our day, but back in his day, he, he was very well acquainted with the strongest military in their day, which was Rome. While he was writing the book of Ephesus, or the book of Ephesians to the, the people in Ephesus, he was literally uh, arrested by the, by the Roman military. He was literally uh, chained to one of the guards as he was writing this letter. He knew about their strength, he knew about their weapons, but he also knew about human beings in the Bible, and he knew no human beings are capable of defeating Satan on our own. Not only uh, is he smarter than us, he was the number one angel. He's strong, he's smart. Angels are invisible. We can't even see them unless rarely they want to make themselves visible. <clears throat> and even when they do, they're not humans. Bullets don't affect them like it does us. They just kind of would go through them. They're angels. So Paul gave very, very unique advice here. Highly unique advice. Verse 10 through 13 be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you'll be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do not argue or rather uh, fight and wrestle against flesh and blood. Our fight is against rulers, authorities, in cosmic places of this present darkness. Spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand firm. Stand firm therefore. <clears throat> to gain, back in their day to gain the victory as a soldier, you needed certain weaponry. And he alludes to some of it here. <laughs> they had the sword, they had uh, armor, you know, he mentions a brass plate, they had specialized shoes, um, some of them had air bone arrows, helmets, and, and a belt, and he mentions all these different parts and pieces. Just like today, if you were in the military, they'd give you a machine gun, they'd give you bullets, they'd give you a knife, they'd give you a, a hand grenade, they'd give you a compass maybe, waterproof boots, etc., <laughs> a bulletproof helmet. So they, they give you things to survive. Well, back then they did the same things. Depending on what the battle was, they'd give you different weaponry. <coughs> and um, 
they gave them, uh, as Paul is even alluding to here, I'll read here in a second, one of the things they gave them was a shield. But the Roman shield was very unique. It had two layers. The layer on their shield that was closest to them was really, really hard. But the part of the shield that was facing the enemy was softer. Because sometimes the enemy uh, get these just these small little fragments of rope, dip it in tree uh, sap and pitch, and then light it on fire and put it on the tip of their arrow. So that's where you get these flaming arrows that he's alluding to. He's getting this imagery from the Roman soldiers and what they did and what they fought against, etc. And as, as the enemies of, Roman, of Rome would, would shoot these arrows of fire at them, because their, their shields had two layers, the outer layer was soft, just soft enough that the arrow would go inside of it and put out the fire. But the other layer was hard enough that it wouldn't come through. And so the, 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 the shield itself would put out the fire. And their sandals, you know, sometimes when we think, you know, as adults or even as little kids, we think, oh, back in their day, everybody wore, they even have a name for it, those Jesus sandals or beach sandals. No, no, not the Roman soldiers. They were given specialized shoes that they would have one-inch spikes on the bottom of their shoes so in the battle they would have a strong, solid position. Not to mention, if you fell on the ground... They could get you with their one-inch nails, basically, from their shoes. <laughs> There's a reason Rome ruled that part of the world for hundreds and hundreds of years, because they had the best weapons available to people. So they dominated, because they had all the best weaponry. <laughs> but yet Paul says this, verse 14 to 17, Stand firm, therefore... <clears throat> Stand firm, having fastened on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having readiness by the gospel. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, and here he alludes to it, which can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word, praying at all times in the Spirit. <laughs> Ephesus there's a, I mean, these are fine uh, illustrations, but one of the reasons I believe that Paul was especially stressing these, because in Ephesus, though it was a huge city, over 200, between 250 and 300,000 population, they believe, just in the city, not the outskirts, <clears throat> which was quite a big city back then. This was one of the main hubs for Roman soldiers. So the citizens could see the soldiers. They could see the weaponry. So Paul is using these things as symbols. Because as he's saying, well, the belt is like truth. Well, what does the Bible, what does Jesus say about himself in the Bible? Jesus said of himself, I am the way and the plate of righteousness. A hundred percent righteous. Paul talks about the shoes, that they're the gospel. And the gospel is always and ever and only two things. And those are what? The gospel is Jesus' death and his resurrection. And Paul, again, he talks about the helmet of salvation. And salvation is just simply God's gift through Jesus. And he talks about the sword, which it says is the word. As if you read the gospel of John chapter 1, he said, Jesus is the living word. So as Paul is writing about all these military, combative, all these types of weaponry, 
and he says, put on the whole armor of God. Then he talks about these pieces of armor. <laughs> what Paul was really trying to say in symbolic kind of uh, uh, way of writing, was he, what he was really trying to say is, put on the fullness of Christ. Because all of these things point to Jesus. They all point to Jesus. Because if you're a Christian, and what people used to sing years ago back in the day, you know, the old song, we're in the Lord's army. If you're in God's army, your weapon, your weapon is Jesus. Which is very different in some aspects of what what Paul is uh, sharing here. Uh, Verse 13 Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done that, stand firm. Verse 14 continues, stand firm, therefore. Within ten, between verse 10 and 14, these five short verses, depending on your translation, Paul is repeating over and over and over, three, four, five times, stand firm. Stand firm. Because he didn't want the people in Ephesus to miss it when he was writing to them that their strength, their strength was God. I tend to think, uh, I tend to think as he was writing this, maybe he had, for his devotions that day or maybe that week, he'd been reading Exodus 14. Later on today, maybe you go read Exodus 14. It's also a wonderful study. Exodus 14 is the exact same principles, the same principles. They just have different people. Uh, Let's say Exodus. Excuse me, Exodus. Exodus 14. So in Exodus 14, you had Moses and you had the Israelites. And then you had the enemy. Here you have Paul and the Ephesians and an enemy. But the principles are the same. In both places, God is telling them, stand firm. This was Moses and the, and, the, and the Israelites as Egypt, the biggest and the baddest military and country at the time, <laughs> was chasing them down and they were trapped by the desert and the, and, the, and, 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 the, and the Red Sea. And here came the enemy. They could hear the hoof prints. They could see the sand rising and the dust clouds and the chariots and the swords. And, oh, well, they were slaves. They knew they were going to die. Wow, imagine. Imagine the panic. And what did God tell them? Just stand there. They're coming to kill us. It's the strongest military in the world and they were slaves. And what did God say? Just stand there. Just like Paul through the Holy Spirit is telling them in Ephesus. You've got a, such a powerful enemy that even the Roman, mighty Roman military, which in equivalent would be like today, even the American government can't destroy the devil. And what does Paul, through the Holy Spirit, tell them? Just stand there. It's the same advice in both places. Exodus 14, Ephesians 6. Stand firm. Use your faith to fight the fight of faith. That's the Christian battle. (coughs) If you're a professional boxer, your tools are your fists. If you're in UFC, it's about anything. It's feet, it's hands, it's legs, it's fists. If it's tennis, it's a tennis racket. Depending on your sport, those are your tools. If you're literally in the military, it's a machine gun, it's bullets, it's a knife, it's a grenade, it's technology. If you're a Christian, your weapon is Jesus. And the only way to activate that weapon is by faith. 
by standing firm and calm, knowing that your fight, and it's not passive, <coughs> I'm not encouraging passiveness and don't get engaged. No, no, no. It's the opposite. It's the most intense battle you'll ever be in your entire life. And you channel all of that intensity, all of that energy, all of that power, and you channel into faith, believing that Jesus already won the battle. That he won the battle at the cross. <coughs> Any of you ever had a vehicle that you paid off before? Anybody who've paid off a vehicle? Richard, you've paid off a vehicle. Christine, I think you raised your hand there. You paid off a vehicle. Or... Same. You're married. Amen. You're still united. Praise the Lord. It can still happen. <laughs> yeah. So when you paid off that vehicle, let me guess, because you know about finances, after you paid off the vehicle, three months later, did you send them another check? Why not? Because it was paid off. Who in a battle do you know that's still fighting in World War II? How many people do you know were kind of down south, kind of mid-south, but still down south? How many people do you know are still have, have one of those old guns, a bayonet or whatever, those, a musket or whatever? How many people do you know are still fighting the American Civil War? How many people do you know are still fighting World War I? You wouldn't fight a battle that's already been won. Not if you're thinking clearly. Which is why Paul tells him to stand firm because Paul is trying to get him to realize by faith Jesus already won at the cross. Why are you trying to fight a battle that Jesus already won? Unless you don't know or you're not sure he actually won. We know that, that even unbelievers, as well as all the different world religions, including Christians, we would not pay for a vehicle if we've already paid for it. <laughs> if the vehicle's paid for, you're not going to keep paying the bank. Why would you want to fight that battle every month? Man, I don't have to pay them anymore. Praise the Lord. <laughs> when battles come your way, your biggest thing isn't to fight the battle. And that sounds so unchurchy. And that sounds so unreligious. Oh, this pastor, I don't know. We're supposed to fight the fight of faith. The fight of faith. And it is a whole lot harder than works. So those who like to work, trust me, there's plenty of effort involved. But it's the fight of faith. <laughs> you might say, oh, well, that just sounds easy and all nice and... Imagine, <clears throat> imagine this has happened a few times in American history <clears throat> when, when some uh, battle is so intense they don't wait for people to enlist. <laughs> they just, um, oh I forget the, the name for it, they just draft. Thank you, Brian. <clears throat> it's, it's a draft. It's like, hey, your number came up and you know, you're joining the military. Let's pretend for a moment some battle is getting so bad in the world that, that our government is drafting you. <clears throat> and the government 
uh, drafts you, sends you overseas to, quote, that place, wherever that place is, or, you know, the bad country always seems to revolve. You speak Cuba and China and Russia and the Middle East and seems to change. But where, wherever you get sent, the American military sends you there and your leader tells you, <clears throat> your leader tells you, and some of you have been in the military, so you can certainly appreciate this. <clears throat> some, imagine if your leader told you, now, uh, soldier, we realize the enemy's out there. Uh, they're everywhere. They know your particular weaknesses. They have planted uh, bombs. They have machine guns. And they're planning to kill you. <laughs> and and they, they, they've, they even know some of our plans. I don't know how they are always one step ahead. But, but they're out there. They're planning to kill you. <clears throat> now what we need from you, what we need from you is to go out onto the front line and stand there. I'm, I'm already seeing some heads. It's like, no. <laughs> no, no, this is good news. Just, they'll shoot. And then they've got real bullets. But, and they don't like you. They, they, their one desire in life is to kill you. All I'm asking, it's not a big ask. Just go out on the front lines and just stand there. That's not what the average person in the military is trained to do. The military is trained to kill. Kill or be killed. You know, if you got to shoot them before they shoot you. If you're talking real World War I, World War II, real frontline battles, people die. It's not the movies. You don't get back up. They're trained to kill the enemy before the enemy kills them. And this is what Paul is telling them. <clears throat> be there in the front lines. Christians are supposed to be in the front lines just like our military. Thank you very much to the military. They're supposed to be out there protecting us so we don't get hurt. And sometimes they protect other countries. They try to help us. And that's what Christians are supposed to do. Be in the front line to protect people. Protect your family. Protect your neighbors, your co-workers, whatever country you happen to be living in. Be there on the front line. And as Paul says again and again and again, as some of us wish, oh, I just like to erase. That's a little too many stand firms for me. It's like I, I just don't want to just stand on the front line without, I mean, I'm just supposed to stand there? He tells them over and over and over, stand there. Stand firm. <laughs> Why? Because as Christians, we're supposed to be putting our trust, our trust in Jesus, that at the cross, he already won the battle. He won that battle over drugs, prescription drugs or otherwise, alcoholism, anger, cursing. What did Paul put here in verse 11 or 12? Believers, I put in that part, he says we, but that's referring to believers. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. What are you going to do with Satan? Stab him? Shoot him? Call up the FBI? We live in America. You, you, you're off limits. Satan is obviously well entrenched in this country. That's quite clear. How do you intend to defeat the devil? 
How do you intend to overcome the challenges in your life of anger and frustration and fear and doubt and sadness and not feeling whole or happy or depression and all those real things that if you don't wrestle with any of them, you would not be human and all the people you work with and your family members and your friends wrestle with. According to Paul, how the, that victory comes about is putting on the fullness of Christ. And Jesus will happily give those things to us. Instead of chasing around trying to solve those battles, we're supposed to stand firm and believe that Jesus will give us those things in victory. Just like a person that's paid off their vehicle, doesn't run around trying to, oh, I need to get a second job. We need to pay for the vehicle. Not if you realize your vehicle's already been paid for. In, in American history, it might not seem short to us, but if you look at the grand scheme of history, America's only been a country a short time. And in the short time America's been a country, we've had about three million people killed or wounded in the military. The, the American soldiers, we've had about three million of them killed or wounded. Three million. But that doesn't stop a, about a quarter of a million people to join every year. A quarter of a million people, sometimes much more, join the military every year. And many more want to join, but because of the certain standards, many people get turned away. Why, if millions of people get killed in the military, not every year, but just overall, if that many people get killed and wounded, why would so many people want to join the military? Because they believe. They believe in what they're doing. They're protecting our country. They're protecting their families. They're helping people. They're serving. They're protecting. <clears throat> Life is filled. <clears throat> Life is filled with challenges. But as Christians, our battle isn't against Russia. As Christians, our battle isn't against China. As Christians, our battle is against sin, selfishness, Satan, which is why God, through places like this in Ephesians, is telling believers, put on the whole armor of God. Meaning, put on Christ. Because as Christians, as we're in God's army, our weapon, <clears throat> our only weapon, is Jesus. That's our weapon. He said, well, pastor, the Bible's our weapon. Why? Yeah, but why is the Bible so useful? Because the Bible points us to Jesus. Well, going to church is important. That's why you're here today. Church is important. But when church is healthy and when church is done right, Sabbath school and, and, and the church, what do we do? We point people to Jesus. He's all oh, pastor, it mentions prayer and prayer is important. Yeah, why? Because we talk to Jesus. All the things we do that are useful and good point to Jesus because Jesus is the weapon for believers. That's it. That's the only weapon. And if we look to something else, it's basically telling God, 
we don't think Jesus is the answer. Or something that happens sometimes in churches, we think, well, think God needs a little help. Think God needs a little help, right? <clears throat> because, I mean, humans are good at that. We just sometimes naturally think God needs our help because we're just naturally so good at fighting against Satan and things we can't see and against drugs and alcohol and anger and all these other things. We know from experience it doesn't work. <clears throat> God knows it. Paul knew it, which is why he says, put on the full armor of God. Then you'll be able to withstand the schemes of the devil. In closing, verse 10 through 18, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you'll be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places, meaning the fallen angels who are smarter and stronger and more capable than we are. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, and put on shoes which are symbolic of the gospel. And in uh, verse 16, all circumstances take up the shield of faith which can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit which is the word, and praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The Bible is clearly encouraging us to stand firm and put our effort, put our effort, don't be passive, don't just stay in bed symbolically through life and do nothing. Be very aggressive, very active, but put your energy into trusting Jesus.